A binge-worthy show about Jesus? The Chosen Season 3 is here. Come and see what the buzz is about. The Chosen explores the imperfect and messy relationships of real humans following Jesus. The first six episodes are available now. Stream each new episode for free. Plus, watch exclusive content like The After Show, only in the new Chosen app. Download The Chosen app on mobile and TV streaming devices. Visit BingeJesus.com to learn more. Asbury Methodist Village in Montgomery County takes senior living to the next level, creating extraordinary opportunities for a fulfilling future. Work your brain and body in our new wellness center. Stroll our expansive campus and 17-acre nature preserve. Stay sharp with our resident-run college and find so many new ways to get involved and make a difference for others. Anticipate more from your retirement. Visit asburymethodistvillage.org today. Your future's here. Equal Opportunity Housing Provider. Welcome to the Fantrax Toolshed. If you love Dynasty Leagues and prospects, you came to the right place, because that's what this show is all about. Covering the majors and all levels of the minor leagues to give you the leg up in your Dynasty Leagues. Now, here are your hosts, Eric Cross and Chris Clegg. All right, fantasy baseball fanatics around the world, welcome to the Tool Shed. This is episode 62 of the Fantrax Tool Shed with Clayton Cross, powered by Fantrax and FantraxHQ.com. I'm your host today, a different host, Chris Clegg, and we have another fun episode in store. And with me, as always, is my partner in crime, the man who is under the weather tonight, but he's over the moon to be recording as we bring you another episode of the Fantrax Tool Shed, Eric Cross. Eric, how are you feeling? Under the weather, but over the moon. That was very nice. Yes, Chris is uh, taking over hosting duties tonight because my voice, though it's better than it was the other day, um, still a little meh. Yeah, as Chris mentioned, I'm feeling a little under the weather, but definitely uh, looking forward to talking some baseball here tonight. And we we were debating just messing with everybody and having Chris say say he was me. Just people like, wait a minute. Why does Eric have a Southern accent now? Um, And and then Chris has a uh, Northeastern accent. That would have been funny. But uh, yeah, this will be a be a fun show. Yeah, really looking forward to it. Uh, as we get into the show tonight, let's go over the usual housekeeping before we do. You can find us on Twitter. I'm at Roto Clegg, C-L-E-G-G. Eric's at Eric Cross 4 And our show at Fantrax Toolshed. If you enjoy the show, we'd love it if you rate and review the show on iTunes. It means a lot. It helps the publicity with the show and to get more listeners. And that means spreading the love of fantasy baseball. So we'd love if you just reviewed our podcast. If you enjoy it, drop a five-star rating and review. We would really appreciate it. You can also check out our Patreon, patreon.com slash Fantrax Toolshed for extra content from both of us, extra rankings. We do team analysis. We do video chats. We do all kinds of great things. So check that out. And also check out all the other great written and audio work that we have on the Fantrax HQ network including our other podcast, SP Streamer, hosted by Michael Simeon. We have Fantasy Hockey Life, Fantasy Football Addicts, Define Fantasy Football, and Football POV. All right, with that being said, let's get into this week's episode. We've got a lot to cover. We're going to hit some news and notes to begin the show, and then we're going to look at early ADP. There's been seven drafts that have finished over on the NFBC, um, four DCs and three NFBC 50s together, some ADP here. 
what we're going to do is we're going to look dive in on some of these guys look at some players that have kind of a wide range of draft picks early on and talk about where these guys may end up how we view the early adp and and what we think about these players and if they're good values or not so let's start with bobby witt jr Bobby Witt Jr., is he going to make the opening day roster? His early ADP comes in at 74.9. There's been talk about him cracking the OD roster, and there was talk about that last year. So it's going to be interesting to see. But, Eric, what are your thoughts on Witt this year for Redraft League? Obviously, we both love him for Dynasty Leagues. But for Redraft, does he make the opening day roster, and is he worthy of this ADP? Yeah, it's a little high uh, going top 75. And for that ADP, he better. I, th- I think if uh, if he doesn't, or if he's not up by the absolute latest, like you know whatever that date is in, in mid April, there there gonna be some unhappy Royals fans and some unhappy fantasy managers as well, because you know fifteen teamer, you're using one of your he's right going on average right around that five six turn, so one of your first five or six picks, which I still consider like the core building blocks of your fantasy team. So uh, yeah, he he should be up though. Like l- last year, it was. A little surprising that the uh, they came out and said that. I didn't think he was ready. Like he hadn't played above uh, low A ball at the time, and but now obviously he's got Triple A. Went thirty thirty last year. Like he's ready. Like there's no doubt in my mind. Witt Junior is ready. So I don't know how they're going to play the service time game, and obviously I don't know what things are going to look like on hopefully when the CBA is you know the new CBA is in place. But uh, I think he can return value there. Obviously. The upside, the power speed is there. He's made improvements at the plate since he was drafted a few years ago. So yeah, he could go, you know, he could be a top 40 guy. He could go 2020 this year, and I won't be surprised, but we've seen the recent track record of rookies. You know, like, you know, Jared Kalnick, as I wipe a single tear from my cheek. Um, but, uh, yeah, I it's a little risky for me. I don't think I'm going to do it. I got him in a mock draft the other day with the CBS crew, uh, Scott White and Frank Stample and all of them, I got him at the 7-8 turn, uh, which was, was what, pick 104? It was like 104 or something like that. That There I feel okay. After 100, even after 90 or so, I feel okay about it. But going you know 75, and you know that's only going to go higher, especially if he has a hot spring train, and that's that push up into the 50 to 60 range, so. I'm I'm going to be out at that ADP. Yeah, he's only going to move up. I don't think there's any doubt about that, especially if he has a great spring again. And obviously, if there's word that he's going to make the OD roster, he's going to move up. He, I've got him listed down later in the show, but he has a range right now of 36 overall, which is crazy. No, to 120. Yeah, if he goes post 120, I really like that. But there's no room to profit when you're getting that ADP above 50. And I think with redraft leagues, the value in prospects is when you're able to pick them up on the waiver wire and get them cheap, not paying a high draft capital for them when you can get other proven guys that are are much safer, in my opinion. So, yeah, I think there's going to be a lot of hype with Wit, especially as we move forward in the offseason. But, yeah, I'll probably be out in redraft leagues. But moving forward, we had our first one of our first big signings of the offseason – and that was Eduardo Rodriguez leaving your Red Sox and heading to the Detroit Tigers. Bye, Eddie. Five-year five deal, $77 million. Good value there, I felt like, for Detroit. I was surprised to see him give five years, but at $15.4 million a year, it's a great buy for Detroit, in my opinion. He moves to a extreme pitcher-friendly park, which I'm a fan of. 
The early ADP is pretty low at 194.3, but certain to move up with this signing. I think he'll end up inside the 150. He was kind of sneaky before, but yeah, I think he's going to get priced up pretty high. What are your thoughts there on, on Erod? Yeah, I think so. Cause you've seen everybody and their mother out there talking about how, you know, he's going to be a great pick next year, a great bounce back. And I, I do agree with that, but I'm also agreeing with you that I think he's going to be pushed up too high for my liking. Like, I, I like the move. Like I, I kind of tweeted out that, you know, the, while the AL central does have a couple of good offenses in there with the white Sox in Minnesota, he doesn't have to face the American league East that had Tampa Bay finished second and run scored last year. Toronto finished third, the Yankees 19th, oddly enough, um, Cleveland actually had more runs scored than the Yankees last year. Go figure. Uh, Cleveland was 18th. The Yankees were 19th. Everybody guess that looking at their two rosters, but, um, and plus all the, just the better pitchers parks that he's going to be in right from starting with his home ballpark. And then the rest of the AL central ballparks are much more pitcher friendly than the AL East where you got, uh, got Roger center, you got Fenway Yankee stadium came in the yards, all like top 10 or so hitters parks. So definitely like that move in general, but I was looking at his numbers, uh, career versus the rest of the AL Central, obviously minus Detroit. It's kind of middling. 23 start, 135 innings, ERA four on the dot, 131 whip, 7.9% walk rate, 21.7 on the K rate. And obviously that's just you know a small sample size, but uh, I do think he's gonna bounce back. Like he had a career best walk rate and K rate last year. Uh, d- does a great job at limiting hard contact. XERA was 350. So I do think he's going to bounce back a decent amount next year. I would love to get him as my SP4, but I think he's going to get pushed up into SP3 territory. And I think that's going to be a little too high for my liking because, well, I do think it's going to be a nice bounce back next year. We've kind of seen this from Erod. He's always kind of been what he is. There's always like that hope for more. Uh, so at this point, I'm like, all right, when's that hope for more ever going to come? Like one year, he'll put it all together, have another 2019. But uh, yeah, I think I'm going to be out whereas ADP falls in the spring. Yeah, and some players just constantly underperform like peripheral numbers. And right. last year he had a 3.32 FIP and a 3.64 Sierra. I don't really see him posting those kind of ERAs. Maybe a 3.64 would be more reasonable. But you do mention, I mean, the strikeout rate was a career high, career low walk rate as well. The, the splits were pretty dramatic last year at home. He had a 5.95 ERA and on the road he had a 3.95 ERA. So pretty dramatic there. The Babbitt ran 363, which is very high as well. And he had this, uh, pitchers with 100 innings, second highest Babbitt behind Mitch Keller. There's a lot to like here. We've mentioned a lot of things. The hesitancy I have is that Detroit's defense is horrific. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, last year, negative 51 defensive runs saved. So not ideal there. The positive could be if Carlos Correa does sign because – uh, the shortstop position there had negative 16 defensive run saves for the Tigers, and Correa had positive 21 DRS in 2021, which could be a boost. And we expect Torque and Riley Green to be up. So that'll be fun to monitor. I do like Erod, but I'm curious to where his price ends up. Speaking that that of- uh, well, sorry, that that uh, rotation in general is pretty interesting now. It's uh, with him, he'll probably be opening the starter. Then you get the three young guys after that. You know, we've we've talked about all three of them pretty extensively here i still like my is a decent amount i think manning can still be something i don't know what anymore but something and then screwballs are emerging so and then i'll get probably a boyd back at some point second half of the season that's a very 
interesting rotation, if nothing else. It could be terrible. Who knows? But <laughs> it's at least interesting. It's, it'll be a fun rotation to watch throughout the season, that's for sure. Yeah, and having Tucker Barnhart, who's a pretty high-end framer, actually really helps that rotation, I think. Oh, yeah. So um, the Detroit catching situation wasn't great last year, but you get Barnhart back there, who's definitely a great defender and framer. I think that gives all those guys a potential boost. So that'll be fun to watch for sure with that rotation. A lot of fun names there. Speaking of kind of boring names on the opposite end, Jose Barrios, who kind of flies under the radar a little bit. He's always a guy who, you know, seems like he's ready to take the next step, but but never really does. But he's always a really solid arm. Um, he signed an extension today with Toronto for seven years at $131 million. He's going at pick 76.6 on average, which is pretty much right where he's been the last several years. Uh, I like the signing. I love seeing, honestly, I think it's great for the CBA hopes with we've seen deals like this already being made. Gives me hope that uh, things are progressing well for the CBA. So we'll see. Obviously that's just kind of my no inside information scoop, but I just feel like that's positive. We're seeing these guys get bigger deals like this. So with Barrios, another player who kind of just feels like he never hits that next level, but I don't know. Is there more to like here? Is he worth this pick at 76 overall? Nope. He's not. Um, Barrios is one that like the eye test and the metrics don't correlate whatsoever. Like you, you just, Get rid of Savant, get rid of baseball reference and fan graphs and Brooks and everything. If you just watch a Barrio start, you're going to look like, all right, this guy is insanely talented and he should be one of the best pitchers in the game. Then you just look year after year. It's just middle. It's like, like you mentioned, good, but not great numbers. He's always in like that mid to upper three ERA range. You know, whip is like, you know, with the whips have been solid the last couple of years, but the K rate's always kind of, so this ab- slightly above average, but never really takes that next step. Uh, it's just his first career now, 404 ERA. Last three years, 352, 348, 358. It's like he's always in that range where like, I'm always like, all right, maybe this is the year. Maybe this is the year. Maybe this is the year. And then just another good but not spectacular year from Jose Barrios. And now he's staying in the AL East. Yeah, he's going he's to have a lot of run support, so – you know, those of you, I know a lot of people hate wins and quality starts and all that. Well, that's, this doesn't factor in quality starts, excuse me, but uh, wins, you know, he'll, he'll get probably a fair amount of wins uh, in Toronto over a full season. So he'll probably be a pretty good team again next year. But I think it's going to be another, you know, 375 or so ERA. I, I don't think, I don't see the K rate ticking up. Like he should have a higher K rate than he does. And you just watch him pitch, but it's been 25, 26%. And he did drop the walk rate last year down to 5.8%, which was very, very intriguing. But, yeah, I'm I'm done expecting more out of, out of Barrios, and I'm just finally just going to accept him for what he is, a solid number three starter that will probably be drafted as like a back-end two again. Yeah, I kind of agree. I think that he's capable of being an SP2. He did have a career low ERA last year at 3.52. After moving over to Toronto, a 3.58 ERA, over 70 and a third innings there. The strikeout rate did look solid, still 27%, just a 4.5% walk rate after moving to Toronto. So a solid K minus BB rate there. But I don't know. I just wonder like, 
what is he next year? Is he a 380 RA again? If so, like while that's good and there's a place for that, he doesn't really provide much else outside of just the middling ratios and decent strikeouts. So it'll be interesting to watch. I do like Barrios, but I'm not in love with him. So kind of leaves me kind of on the fringe there, like of what do I do with him? And I think that if he's going closer to pick 100, I think it's an easy buy at 75, probably not so much. Yeah, I just, I just looked. He's overall for pitchers, he's 30th in ADP. Take out the relievers, he's he's 24th. So yeah, he's going as an SP2 again in terms of, for starters, and I'm, I'm not there. Just don't like it. Yep, I definitely agree. And moving on to one more news and note that we have before we, and even though we're evaluating ADP already, Noah Syndergaard is leaving New York. He's heading out to Los Angeles to be a part of the Angels organization signed to a one-year, $21 million deal. It got a wide range of reaction on Twitter. Some really loved it. Some absolutely hated it. He's going pretty late, but I do expect the ADP to move up currently at 196. I do think that probably takes a pretty good leap forward. Interesting move by the Angels who do lose a draft pick here. They're sending that to New York as part of this qualifying offer that Thor had. But it's like a kind of upside play for the Angels. And it's like a really boomer bust team for Los Angeles. It'll be fun to watch. But for fantasy purpose, what are you expecting from Noah Syndergaard next year? You know, I've always been a Syndergaard guy. Um, I always love the stuff. It's hard not to. He's electric. He was kind of like Dustin May before Dustin May was Dustin May. Like electric stuff. And it finally, you know, kind of turned into results. And, you know, look at his career 332 ERA. Through his first 718 innings, uh, low whip, you know, 116 over his career. That was kind of inflated by the last couple of years when he wasn't really fully healthy. He actually had his worst year in 2019, then obviously didn't pitch in all in 2020, only got the, the couple abbreviated starts in 2021. So I, I'm kind of going in cautiously optimistic in 2022 because he wasn't really allowed to throw any of his breaking balls in those, in those two starts. I say two starts. Yeah, they were technically starts, but it was only two innings total. But uh, I'm not really sure what to expect. And I think that is going to scare me away because I think people are going to look at, you know, look at the name, Noah Syndergaard, look at what he's done in the past, and that will bump him up. And if he stayed where he is now, I'd like it. If you, you know, pushing 200, I would like it. But I got a feeling if, if you, if we get closer to opening day, you look at his ADP in like February and March, I bet you it's probably closer to 150 by that time, so especially if he looks, good in spring training which he probably will uh, i got a feeling he's probably gonna look good in spring training you know hitting you know high on the radar gun snapping off some breakers and you know dominating and early on in spring training that'll probably boost his adp way up to a point where he'll be too high for my liking so he's another guy i'm probably gonna stay away from yeah i think i tend to agree there i don't know what the innings cap is but i would guess maybe 140 to 150 range which means you're not going to get a ton of volume i mean enough volume but even still I don't know. I struggle with a guy that only came back and pitched a couple innings last year. So he'll be an interesting one to watch. Who would you so rather yeah. have him or Severino next year? I think Severino. Me too. I feel, I feel a little better about that one, but it could go either way. I mean, who knows with these guys, these Tommy John guys, hard to say for sure. Uh, that kind of wraps up the news and notes portion of the guys that have you know signed recently. Let's get into the ADP now a little more. We're going to walk through, this first set of players we're going to look at have an ADP of of one to forty and have some wide ranges of of min and max picks so far. 
So this first one probably shouldn't come as a surprise given the status of his injury and you know not knowing completely when he's going to come back. But the talent level obviously is there to be 1-1, and that's Ronald Acuna Jr., who has gone as high as 4 overall and as low as 19 overall. His overall ADP is 11.3. But I think the unknowns have caused this to this range of outcomes. Obviously, as we get a better timeline going to the spring, I assume that we'll have a better idea of where his ADP ends up. But currently, all we know is that he talked to Alex Bregman and told him that he expects to be back in May, which is probably about the right timeline. But I'm cautiously optimistic that pro athlete can recover a little faster and be back, which I could be totally wrong. And maybe that's me as a Braves fan being a homer. I like the spot at 11 overall. I probably wouldn't go up as high as four, but shoot, if he's falling past 15, I'm going to take it all day. What are your thoughts there? Oh, yeah. If he's going on on the back half of that range, I will be scooping up a lot of Acuna. I don't think he's going to you know, I think that's only got to go up from here on. It's just, you, you see, like, you saw that video of him kind of like lately jogging on that machine uh, the other day. You'll see more of those videos of him on machines and him getting onto the field and running around. And once you see more and more of those videos coming out, whether it's from him or from the team or whatever, that's only going to, you know, just fuel the excitement that, oh, maybe he'll come back sooner than expected because he's a you know, top notch athlete and so on and so forth. I actually, you know, when I was writing my Atlanta Braves article the other day, I reached out to our our injury guru Nick Savali, and I was like, "Hey, wh- when do you think that Acuna might make his, his season debut?" And he's like, "Well, if they get the DH and the NL, maybe mid-April, or he said possibly even the season opener. If not, he said mid to late May. That was his prediction." And Nick Savali is you know one of the best out there at, at this stuff, so I, I trust what he says one hundred percent. Will that be what happens? Obviously, who knows? But like I've said. Even if you're getting five months, let's say he did debuts May 1st and you get five months out of him, he could still go like 35. That's the thing. I, I want to say 35, 25, but then again, I don't know how if he's going to run quite as much if as he has. Maybe he'll be a little hesitant on that knee at first, but he could still go, I'd say 35, 20 over five months. Like we've seen it. He's one of the two guys in baseball that has a 50, 30 potential him and Tatis they can both go 50 30 and I won't be surprised so you know even five months of that plus whoever you get to fill in that's still easily a first round pick and 15 teamers or in 12 teamers and 10 teamers so uh yeah a- after look at this the ADP at the top I wouldn't take him over Tatis Turner Soto Vlad or Bo then you get into then it starts getting to the point where I have to think about it like Joe Ram Otani some some arms Colin Burns Mookie Tucker Harper, those types of guys. So, yeah, I definitely, after the top five guys, I would be okay taking him. Yeah, I certainly agree. And I agree with the statement that even if he misses a month, I still think he produces first-round level numbers. I don't know. I think that he is the type of player that's going to come back with a fire under his butt, and he's going to have something to prove. Honestly, he's going to come back stronger than ever. Like, that knee is, when it's fully healed, is going to be stronger than ever. And I don't see him playing when it's less than 100%. So I don't think that he's affected by the this running as much. Maybe it's mental where he's hesitant at first. That, that's kind of what I was thinking, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But I still think that he's going to be full speed, and I do think that he's going to be out to prove something. He wants to win an MVP. He wants to be out there and win a World Series with this Braves team. 
So I wouldn't be surprised to see him have a phenomenal season when he gets back. So, yeah, I'm, I'm a fan. If he's going after 10 overall, even if he has to miss a month, I know that's tough. But I think in a standalone type league, you can get away with that. Maybe oh, yeah. in an overall contest, you need you know, a little more assurance in your first round pick. But I'm not totally against getting Acuna there. And you know, I think that there's a possibility that he's ready to go earlier than May. So that'll be fun to see. Speaking of injuries, this next guy has been often injured. He didn't play at all last year after he had a calf injury, even though we thought it was going to be a short stretch and he'd be back. But he never came back to the field, and that is Mike Trout, who has an ADP of 16.8, probably the lowest ADP that he's had in some time. But he has a pretty wide range, going as high as 7 overall and as low as 29 overall, which is kind of interesting. I think I'd be all over him if he fell that far into the 20s. But how are you feeling about Trout, and where do you think his value ends up next season? It's funny. I'm actually on board with uh, Mike Trout's ADP. I think a lot of people are kind of shying away right now. It's like, oh, he's, he's 30 now, and he had that calf injury. But he's kind of been pushed down to a range where ADP of 16.9 right now, 16th player off the board right between Max Scherzer, Freddie Freeman, Luis Roberts in that range, uh, Brendan Woodruff too. If I can get him as my second player, I'll be all over it. Because you look at last year before he left with a calf injury, he was having one of the better seasons of his career. He had 333, 466, 624 slash before he in 36 games before he left with that calf injury. And like you mentioned, he just never came back. We were just like, all right, it'll be it'll be next month. Or it'll be next month. And then obviously he didn't come back at all. But at this point, maybe he's maybe he's rested. I think he's gotten that, you know, he's got basically almost a full year off. Almost two full, you know, and only played, you know, 53 games in 2020 because of the pandemic. So I think we're going to see a rested Mike Trout. I think we're going to see a motivated Mike Trout. You know, they just signed Noah Syndergaard. I think that's just the beginning. I think they're going to sign some more guys because why would you sign Thor for a year if you're not going to go out and do more? I think they're going to go out and do more and put a, a pretty solid team on the field there. So I think he's going to be motivated. And I think you're going to see a really, really good year out of Mike Trout. Maybe, you know, I don't think that 20-plus steals is ever coming back, ever. But you look at what he did in 2019 for a 291, 438, 645, 45 bombs, 11 steals, 134 games. I think that's very realistic. And, yeah, you still got to bake in probably an IL stint every year. But if you can just get 100, like same thing I said with Acuna, like 140 games of Trout is better than 162 of like 98% of the league. So, uh, Trout in the sec- early second rounds, sign me up. And that's why I want to be in the latter half of the first round. There's so many guys like Bryce Harper's back there all over that. Kyle Tucker, you can get one of these bats and then pair it up with, with your ace, whether it's a Scherzer or a Woodruff. I would be, if I could start with, let's look at this ADP. If I, if I could start with like, you know, Trout and Scherzer or Harper and Woodruff, something like that, or, Freeman mixed in there or just go, if I want to go two bats and go Tucker and trout or something like that, I'd be all over it. Yeah, I certainly agree. And you know, it's, you can build a lot of ways, but I do think that trout is probably going to be healthier than he ever has been, which is, I think a good sign. Obviously he didn't come back last year because there was no need for him to come back. I mean, they weren't in contention. So why do you bring him back? They, they didn't, that was the smart move. I think he's going to be completely ready to go. I think he's going to have a chip on his shoulder, like you said. And 
I think he's going to produce first round level numbers. Even if he doesn't steal, that bat is so good. And like you said, I think they're not done adding. Just please don't sign Freddie Freeman and we'll be okay. But <laughs> I, I would like to see the Angels succeed. I'd like to see Trout have a run in the playoffs. I think that'd be fun with that team around him. So yeah, I, I'm interested to see where his ADP actually ends up. But if it sticks around 17, I think I'll be grabbing him a lot there. I'm a fan of that spot. Next up is a guy who had a career season in Toronto, as many of those players in that lineup did. But this specific guy hit 45 home runs, stole 15 bags, and had a 265 average, put up over 100 run and RBI apiece. That's Marcus Simeon. Yeah, his value is high. His ADP at 27.86. I think the performance warrants that. He's gone as high as 16, which... Again, I think what he did last year warrants that, but I'm not sure I'm willing to go that high on him. And he has a min pick of 42, which is more of the level I'm looking at him at. I don't think you're going to get many shares of him at that price, but I don't know. Where are you valuing him? Where do you think the, the fair ADP is for Simeon next year? I can tell you right now, I will not have one single share of Marcus Simeon in 2022. It's not because I don't like Simeon. I just don't like the ADP. If he's going, you know, if he, I'm not going to spend one of my first two picks on Marcus Samuel. Let's put, let's put it that way. Um, third pick, okay, I, I can get on board there if he was in the 30s or even if he fell into the 40s. But we, as we've seen, his min pick, or excuse me, his uh, max pick is 42. Yeah, that's that's the max. Like He's not going to fall down to that range very often. ADP is 27.8. He's going to be in the mid-20s. More often than not, so you guys use one of your first two picks on him. I just don't like it. Just look at all the other players around him in this range. I would just so much rather have. Uh, there's a lot of arms in here. This is probably a spot where I'd be taking an arm, uh, whether that's you know uh, Julio Urias, Shane Bieber, someone like Zach Wheeler, someone like the Ozzy Albies is in this level a little bit higher, but uh, he, he's only a few picks higher. Or if I want to get one of my speed guys, I could start like Marte or a Whit Merrifield. I could do that. I just don't see myself getting uh, Semyon, especially with how deep shortstop and second base are now. Uh, I said another point we'll talk about later, which kind of shows how deep shortstop is, deeper than ever. It just keeps getting deeper, and second base has vastly improved over the last handful of years. So I think with all that depth and the guys you can get later on, that I think could return maybe not similar value, but close to it, like not have the value gap be the same as the ADP gap between them. Uh, th- those are the guys that would I want to take in there in the back end of the top 100. So yeah, I am out on Semyon at that price. And obviously it's a sort of, you know, depending on where he, he lands in free agency too. Like Houston with his poll profile, Houston would be insanely intriguing. Uh, but who knows? It hasn't really been any, you know, semi-in, you know, rumors yet outside of a, a whisper here and there. So it'll be fun to see where he ends up. But uh, e- even if he gets put into Houston or, you know, back to Toronto or, or Yankees or whatever, uh, I think you're banking on him doing what he did this year again. And this the, the metrics don't indicate that he's probably going to do that. So, yeah, I'm out. Yeah, I agree. I think you're paying for a career year here. I do think he's a 30-10 type bat, but I yeah. do think he's like a 260 average. So, you know, I'm I'm not really willing to pay that for a second rounder when I can get a safer batting average type player here that provides similar accounting stats. So, yeah, for that reason, I'll probably be out too. Let's move on 
to the next guy going right at the end of the second round in a 15-teamer, and that's a pitcher, Shane Bieber, who at one point was the going into last year the top arm in a lot of drafts, and this year falling a little bit. His range goes from 24 to 49, so kind of all over the board there. Man, if he falls past pick 30, I'm really, really intrigued here. I think we see a big bounce back from Shane Bieber next year, but where are you? What are your thoughts? Uh, I'm with you. You know, I'm not quite as high on him as I used to be, but you look in at, at the numbers, they're still really good. Yeah. Are they as good, you know, as a couple of years ago where he was a Cy Young winner? No, but still 33.1% strikeout rate last year, 8.1% walk rate. That walk rate has ticked up over the last couple of years. You know, he was 4.7, 2018 and 2019. Now seven, one, eight, one each of the last two years. And ZRA did creep up, up over three again. So, um, excuse me, his signing year was 2020, not 2019. But it's a, yeah, so I think I don't think we're gonna see 2020 levels of Bieber again, but a low three ERA, decent, you know, good whip, high 30 plus percent K rate. Shane Bieber, that's you know, rested. You know, he made 16 starts last year. Uh, obviously, he had the injury, so he's able to get a little rested here heading into 2022. Obviously, Cleveland is a pitching factory, so. I'm I'm in on Bieber. Do I trust him as my ace? Yeah, I think I could. Uh, depending on where he kind of falls, and you look at he's going right around Julio Urias uh, is the starter right above him. Uh, Degrom is two, the next one above him, and the starter below him is Aaron Nola and a couple closers right around his range as well. So yeah, he's going right around like SP looks like SP ten or so. Uh, so I you would have to have him as your ace, but. I'm okay with that. If, if I want to wait a little bit into the third round to get my ace, I'm okay with that. And you see, he, he dropped to 49 in one draft. I, I think that ADP might even, I don't know. He's one that ADP might even stay that way, or maybe even go down a little bit as people start going for like the Urias is more than, than him. So I think I can see myself with a couple of Bieber shares this year. For sure. Yeah. I think there's a lot of recency bias, which will put other, push other players up and Bieber yeah. will kind of stick in that spot. So yeah, and speaking of pitchers, we've seen the top two closers be pushed up pretty significantly early on. Josh Hader going to average pick 34. Hendricks going right behind him at 35.2. Little range there. I mean, Hendricks is going as high as 23. Hader as high as 25. Hader as low as 53. And Hendricks as low as 51. Obviously, if you want an elite closer this year, you're going to have to pay up. I think the market's more uncertain than ever as far as set closers and right now these are the guys that you can rely on so you're going to have to pay the price if you yep. want one of the high-end ones so you've got to make that decision uh it's easy to say that you're not going to pay that price but at the end of the day it's the game we play and you've got to be willing to do it if you want the secure saves haters interesting though yeah. if he gets traded what who's to say he doesn't go into a fireman role with another team who knows that'd be interesting but if he's in Milwaukee, I think he's definitely the closer. Obviously, we know Hendricks is locked into that role. I know the, the Sox picked up uh, Craig Kimbrell's option there, but their intent is to trade him. So, yeah, these guys are pretty safe locks for saves, and there's not many other guys that are this way. So you're going to have to pay a top dollar for him. Are you doing it? I don't know. I just – the smart thing – it's kind of, you know, like the one voice in my brain is telling me, yeah, or is pushing me closer to that, to doing it. I just still can't use like a, my top two or, or third round pick. 
on a closer. But something I've been trying to do more and more and something I'm really, really going to try to do in 2022 drafts is avoid the money traps. Like what are the, I kind of, these are two areas or two kind of positions or groups of players, subsets of players, I should say that people spend the most on in weekly fab mid season closer, like new closers that get the job if someone gets hurt or demoted or whatever. And then obviously the top rookies. So smart money. All right. Don't try to, you know, get, get some closers. So you don't have to waste all your money in fab on closers in the middle of the season. Yeah. You probably still have to go get some, but my goal is to come away with a better core of relievers, or at least a couple that I'm like, all right, these guys, I feel safe that they're going to be in that role the entire year, and I'm going to get some good production out of them. Am I going as high as going Hader or, or Liam Hendricks? Probably not, but maybe I'll get into that the uh, Iglesias, Edwin Diaz range later on, and you know, 30, 40 picks later. I can see myself grabbing one of them and coming out of the first six rounds with one closer, two starters, and three and uh, three hitters or something like that. But yeah, I just can't, still can't go top 30, top 35 on a closer. I just can't. Yeah, I think I'd struggle to do so as well. I think it's a, a tough spot. I get it in an overall component, like an NFBC format. But if you're in a standalone league, I do expect these guys to go a little bit later. So you may not have to pay that high for them. And if it's just an individual standalone league, it's the last ADP before we go to a break is a guy that. I'm a big fan of at this spot. And that's Jordan Alvarez, who I've always been a fan of. Going at pick 40 overall, he's going as high as 28, as low as 58. I'm buying all day. I'd buy all day at, at 30, but shoot, if he's going to go 40 to 50, I'll be all over it. Are you are you buying there? 100% yes. Especially now that he's going to have outfield eligibility in a lot of leagues. So that was kind of like the, oh, oh no, you know, your run's great, but oh no, the knees, oh no, the utility only eligible. Like the knees are fine. People calm down. We, me and, and Nick Savali were telling you the knees were fine. Y'all didn't listen. Knees are fine. Got out the eligibility. Now the dude is a beast. Like, like I said, I would be surprised if him and Vladdy put up similar seasons. I'm not saying he's going to outproduce Flatty, so don't go take it that far. But like, if you end of the year and they were like, I don't know, five spots apart in the like the Rasball player rater, let's say, wouldn't be surprised at all. I wouldn't be surprised if Jordan finishes like a top 15, top 20 guy that you can get around pick 40. Absolutely, yeah. I know the draw. No, now the drawback will be, oh well, he doesn't run. Okay, but the dude's going to be like really, really damn good in the other four categories. He'll be hitting right in the middle of a loaded even if they lose Correa even if they don't bring in anybody that's still going to be a very good at least bare minimum top 10 offense next year in Houston probably still top five great hitters park and you look at the quality of content metrics are all elite you know, average exit velocity max exit velo hard hit all in the top three percent of the league like this is a you know 280 40 type of bat that can add 210 to 220 combined runs in RBI. So he's going to be an absolute four category stud, pretty high floor as well. Nothing that you really don't like here outside of the fact that he doesn't run, but who cares when you're going to give me, you know, Nolan Arenado type of production, I'll take it. Yep. I agree. I think this is phenomenal spot to draft him. 
I'll be all over it. It's going to be fun to see. I hope this sticks because I'll I'll draft him a lot there, especially if you get steals early. Right. Have you have you looked at Jordan Alvarez's spray chart? No. It's all beautiful. Over the, it's yeah. beautiful. Like like his home runs are like evenly dispersed throughout the entire out. Like <laughs> he hits as many to left and center as he does to right. It's just absolutely beautiful. I'm, I'm gonna like screenshot this make my background just <laughs> Jordan alvarez's 2021 spray chart and it's the same thing his doubles are all over the field too it's, it's singles it's like you can't shift on him because he'll go the other way it's just such a good hitter and those are the signs of a great hitter yep. and as i said he's a top five hitter in all of baseball agreed maybe not for fantasy but he's a top five pure hitter in all of baseball and listen if you're worried about his knees go back and watch him leg out that triple in the world series his knees are okay not worried about him at all but with that being said, let's go into our break. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back as we talk about some more intriguing ADPs. Want to create a breakthrough gene therapy or life-saving vaccine? Pioneer Aerospace Excellence? Take your hospitality tech brand international? Montgomery County, Maryland is where you can do all that and more. Use our ideal location next to D.C. Diverse world-class talent and our vast business resources to be the next company to make your mark and transform the world. Visit bnext.thinkmoco.com. That's bnext.thinkmoco.com to learn how we can help you create something remarkable. All right, and we're back from our break. Now we're going to be diving in on some players whose ADP currently range from 41 to 75. Just a reminder, this is only seven drafts over on the NFBC, so still a small sample, and these are bound to change significantly, but fun to look at and get early observations on. Let's dive in. This guy going in at 43.2, stayed healthy all year, had one of the best seasons of his career. That's Aaron Judge. He has an interesting range, though, which is why I put him in the show notes. He's gone as high as 29, which I figured his ADP would end up around there. But he's gone as low as 65, which that's a fantastic bargain if you're drafting Aaron Judge there. Love that. Where does he end up? Does he stick in this range? And are you drafting him in this range, Eric? In this range, if he's going at 43, I'll be definitely intrigued. Judge has been a guy that I've usually stayed away from. I Actually, I... Judge is probably my favorite Yankee. Like, there's always that one guy in your least favorite team that you like. I like Aaron Judge. It's, he looks like he's a, just a guy I can go out and hang out with, you know, go have a beer with at the bar or something like that. Um, and obviously, he's incredibly fun to watch in the field, especially at the plate. But you look at in only two of his five years, uh, full years, I'd say he's returned, either returned or exceeded his draft day value. And I'm, I'm just kind of going off the top of my head here, but. You know, obviously his rookie year, 2017, obviously that was one when he hit 52 home runs. Uh, and then 2018, 2019, he only played 112 and 102 games. So obviously he didn't return value there. And then 2020, he played only 20, 28, which is a little under half the season. And then last year he exceeded the value, I'm sure. So two out of five years, that's 40% of his career he's returned or exceeded the value. And yeah, he did play 148 games this year. Great. Do you really count on him doing it again? Like I had this conversation with many, many people because I retweeted uh, something like, I don't know, five, six days ago at this point. And I, I basically said, I, I, I said, Kyle Tucker is greater than Aaron judge. And that was not a knock against judge. It was more so me, you know, my love for Kyle Tucker. And obviously that sparked huge discussion. People were fighting with each other. 
uh, in, in my replies. It was actually kind of fun to sit back and watch people go at each other. I kind of stayed out of it, but I did kind of chime in here and there. And someone like Aaron Judge's body, six seven two eighty two. He should be playing like defensive end in the NFL or power forward in the NBA. He's a baseball player. And if he's already having a hard time staying on the field as he gets into his 30s now, he's, he's going to be 30 uh, about a, three weeks or so into next season. I just I don't see this getting better. And I think it's only going to get worse. Like you see it, obviously, there's not many examples of guys his size, but the two that I kind of looked at that were at least in the vicinity of his size were Richie Sexton and Frank Thomas. Even though they were, you know, Sexton had the height, not quite the weight. And Thomas was like 6'5", 250 or something like that, so kind of close. But, yeah, they kind of broke down into the 30 section especially. So I just don't I – don't, I can't bank on him. If if you told me, like, all right, he'll give you 140 games next year, you can get him at pick 43. Sign me up. 110%. I believe in the talent. You look at his metrics, it's hard not to believe in the talent. The, the elite isn't – the strong enough word to describe his quality of contact metrics. Like he is the quality of contact metrics. Like he, him and Stanton are the guy are the two guys that everyone is measured up against. So, but I don't see him given 140 games again. He could absolutely, but it's just, I'm betting against that because that's what he showed me in his career. So I would love him at 43. He's probably gonna get, get higher than that. And I won't get many shares of him. Unfortunately. Yeah, I kind of agree there. I think he's going to end up going a little higher. And like you mentioned, no guarantee to stay healthy. Obviously, he had a phenomenal year this year. I think that he's definitely got the upside to be a 40 home run bat and post a good batting average as well. But it's hard to do when you can't stay on the field. So I think Judge will be a hard buy. I don't know. I'll I'll be interested to see where he ends up. This next guy I really like who broke out last year, and that's Matt Olson. He improved contact rates significantly always had the power we've known that he's had the huge power upside but he's always struggled to hit for average he hit 195 in the 2020 season yeah i mean he did hit for a career high 271 which was actually barely higher than his previous career high of 267 in 2019 but what you don't see in the batting average is how good his contact rates really were his zone contact rate was a career high by over six percentage points His overall contact rate was 10 percentage points higher than last season. Those are things that you love to see. There was tangible improvements here. He had 39 home runs. He went over 100 run and RBI. And it's likely that he's on the move, which gets him out of one of the worst hitter parks in baseball. So the upside is pretty limitless here of what could happen with Matt Olson currently going at pick 45. Interesting note, though, he's going as high as 31, as low as 89. 89 just feels incredibly low to get Matt Olson. I would love that. At pick 45, I'll be glad to draft him. First base kind of bottoms out. After This is like the second tier of guys, and Olsen I think is a good value there. Man, if he ends up in Yankee Stadium, I know a lot of Yankee fans want him traded there. With that porch, with that left-hand bat, he might hit 60 home runs. What do you think? You, you kind of just let me in. Well, I was about to say, mention the, the Yankees rumors which would be, I would love fantasy, but I would obviously not like that so much as a Red Sox <laughs> fan. But how many of those guys that they need? Like, if they get Matt Olson, like, the entire home run derby next year is going to be all Yankees guys. Like, it's ridiculous. They have the same, the same type of player times, like, seven at this point if they get Olson. But, yeah, like you mentioned first base gets dicey quick. Like, you look at the first base ADP, you got Vladdy, you got Freeman, 
Olsen's third at 45. Then you got Goldie, Abreu, Alonzo, Muncy, and then it drops to Jared Walsh, Ryan Mountcastle, Cronenworth, DJ LeMayhew, Anthony Rizzo. See what I'm talking? Like <laughs> I'm you're getting to the guys like, all right, all those guys have question marks. You know, Mountcastle, good rookie year, but the average kind of popped out, uh, dropped out. I mean, Cronenworth, you know, good little player. Do you want him as your starting first baseman? You know, he got he got hurt as well. DJ LeMayhew, where is he at now? Can he bounce back? What does the bounce back look like? Rizzo, he had an absolutely atrocious year. Is Can he bounce back? Then you got Cron, Bell, Hoskins. I don't need to go on. A lot of question marks. So first base is a position I'm looking to target early. And, you know, obviously it'll be hard to always get, you know, one of the top two guys. It depends on where your draft slot is. But I can see myself getting a lot of that second tier. Olsen, some Goldie, some Abreu's always underrated. You know, some Pete Alonzo, some Muncie. I'm going to get a lot of shares of those guys, hopefully. At least that's the plan. And yeah, Olsen is the top target out of those guys. 45 is very reasonable, I think. Even right now, 45 is very reasonable. I don't know if everybody was sleeping during that draft where he went 89. <laughs> that's just like, was everybody just snoozing? That is ridiculous. Uh, he should never last till 89 right now. But if I can get him, you know, right, that's right around the three, four turn. If I can get him right in that early fourth round or so, they said the quality of contact metrics are elite. Barrel rate was super high. X of yellow 91.6. Max X of yellow 115.3. You know, walk rate stayed high. You mentioned that the contact rates were all drastically improved. He cut the K rate in half, you know, down to 16.8% while maintaining the walk rate and the elite quality of contact. You know, the XBA and X slug back up what he did too. So, you know, I, I love Matt Olson, huge power bats. I want to see where he gets traded to. Looks like he will get traded. So we'll see where he ends up. But um, even in like Oakland's not a great hitter. You know, he's shown he can, you know, excel in a pitcher friendly park. So more of, you know, good chance that where he ends up will be an improvement over you know, Oakland. So, yeah, I'm definitely buying 100% at where he's going. Yep, I certainly agree with that. This next one I'm sure you'll disagree with is this is your favorite player in all of the fantasy baseball Jared world. Jared Koenig. <laughs> Adalberto Mondesi. Oh. He's he's currently got an ADP of 53.8. He's going as high as 18 overall. To no surprise, people will chase steals. And obviously the upside with Mondesi is there. If he stays healthy, that's a big question mark. Hit, there's hit concerns for sure, but he's going as low as 82, which could get me intrigued. I think that would be a spot where I'd certainly consider buying in. I don't think he's getting there in most drafts. I think he's going to go above 50 in a lot of drafts, honestly, just because the speed profile is so intriguing. I mean, Steamer projects him for 19 home runs and 41 steals a 248 average. So they think a lot of them, they think he's going to stay healthy at 550 plate appearances, but even the Royals have come out and said that they're not sure how much he's going to play. He's apparently on a new workout regimen to try to keep him healthy. But until I see something tangible, like I'm not really buying that he can stay healthy. I know you're probably not buying as well, but give it to me. The, the old Jerry Seinfeld like saying is going through my mind right now. Have we learned nothing, people? I can't do a Seinfeld. I'm sorry. Um, but yeah, have we learned nothing? Like 53, 18? 
Who's who? So if you're listening and you took him 18, let, let's let's have a chat. We need to have <laughs> we need to have a sit down chat here because you know 18 is ridiculous. That is like when I was looking through the ADP, that was the one thing where I'm like, all right, that is the number one most ridiculous thing about early ADP. Okay, yeah, if he played the entire year or even played 140, 150 games. Sure, because we've seen the per game numbers are ridiculous. We've seen that he's he can go on like a twenty five seventy five pace. We've seen that. I get it. I know the pace is there. I'm not ignoring it just because I don't like him. I see when he's on the field, he's a potential league winner. I get it, but he's also never on the field. Like when his own team is like, yeah, we got we got to limit him. We got to cut him back a little bit. Like that's that's saying something. When his own team is like, yeah, we don't trust him saying on the field for a full for a full season. Like, listen, people. Like, his own team is saying that we need to we need to listen. I'm obviously going nowhere near him. And plus, again, like I don't like putting all my stolen base eggs in, the, in that one bag. I wrote an article about this about I don't know, two years ago at this point. I think it was like going into the 2020 season. Where I'd rather get steals from multiple sources. So if you put all your eggs and you get Mondesi, you're like, all right, I'm set on steals. Yeah, you might get another guy or two um, that gets some, but then he gets inevitably hurt. You're like, crap. Now I'm, you know, got my tail my tail between my legs, chasing speed again. I just no, I'm not doing it. Guarantee of 140 plus games, sure, but the, as we've seen, that is far from a guarantee. So 100 out. I'd be saying the same thing if that was 30 spots. Lower. I'm nowhere near going near him. <laughs> I kind of figured you'd say that. So a lot of guys ADP we've liked. Montessi, yeah, it'll be interesting. That was the short answer. That was like me holding back too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, everyone was waiting for a long ramp. But for time's sake, I think we hit the nail on the head there. This next pitcher is intriguing. Had a massive breakout that I can't say anyone saw coming with what Logan Webb did last year in San Francisco, pitched 148 innings, a 303 ERA. Very impressive there. Strikeout rate ticked up significantly to 26.5%. The walk rate dropped to 6% after pretty rough 2019 and 2020, even though there wasn't a large sample, but he made major strides last year. And even into the postseason, he pitched 14 and two-thirds innings, just a .61 ERA and a .68 whip. Definitely impressive to see. Steamer sees him going 189 innings, 3.39 ERA, which is pretty impressive for Steamer, who's pretty conservative. That's kind of crazy to me. But, hey, if they're going to project that, then that's great. But, he currently has an ADP of 60.8, fairly high, a low pick of 99, though, and a high of 41. So a decent little range there. I think a lot of people sh- aren't really sure yet what to do with him exactly. But, yeah, the 60 overall ADP feels right, and it'll be interesting to see for sure. So, Logan Webb, are you buying the success, and is he going to continue it next year? I'm like 90% buying the success. Like, I like Wilkin Webb, and you know, I've, I've definitely moved him up, up my rankings, even when I was a little hesitant to do so. But I, I just don't like him. That puts him at SP19 uh, in drafts. And there's just, I don't this, I don't hate that, but just looking at the names behind him, I would rather have a lot of those names behind him. Let, let's just go down the list here. Lance Lynn. I'll take Lance Lynn. 
Uh, Luis Castillo. I don't know. I'm not the biggest Luis Castillo guy, but I don't know. That's pretty close. Max Freed, pretty close. Montas, I wouldn't. But then, you know, we get into one of like Alec Manoa. I'll take Manoa over Webb. I'll take Joe Musgrove over Webb. I'll take, I might even take Charlie Morton over Webb. I'm a big Trevor Rogers guy. Uh, so this is a lot of names further down that are like 25, 30 spots lower. So, you know, Shane McClanahan, I might take over him as well. Uh, Carlos Rodon, depending on if he's healthy, is another one. Uh, there's a lot of guys I'll, I'll take over him. Uh, Alec Manoa is going to be one I'm, I'm going to be targeting a lot at that ADP of 82.5. So I don't think, like, I have Weber on, like, my SP, I don't know my rank is from it, SP 28 probably, so I'm a little lower um, than the ADP. So uh, I, I think he's really good. I think he's going to be a good, like, back-end number two for fantasy. But I do think he pitched a little over his head last year. You know, he's, he's a, a sinker baller. No, the whiff rates aren't like he's, he gets good whiff rates on a slider, but doesn't really have that second big whiff rate pitch. Uh, but does limit hard contact fairly well. So, you know, so I'm mostly buying in, but not quite to the level where his ADP has been pushed to. Yeah, I kind of agree. It's another case of paying for a career year. Yeah. I'm not sure he repeats that. I think the steamer projection is very aggressive on him. I think he's a great pitcher. I, I don't see him pitching to a 3-3 ERA, which would put him up there in the Shane Bieber level, honestly. Obviously not the strikeouts, but I don't know. I'm just struggling to fully buy in, even though there was tangible change. He made some great changes last year. I'm not willing to go that price. Ah, it's going to be tough, though. I think I think someone's always going to be willing to pay up for him in a draft, though. So I think he's going to stick around this spot. This next pitcher, pretty intriguing, Luis Castillo. Uh, he's gone a range of 32 to 87 with an average pick of 68. 32 was about his ADP last year, which is surprising to see him go that high in a draft. The 87 spot feels about right. He had a terrible start last year. I mean, droppable in a lot of leagues because he was that bad. But he rebounded. He came around. Also, the the Reds' defense was just absolutely horrific. They, I don't even understand what they were doing moving Eugenio Suarez to shortstop. Like <laughs> that was funny. I I don't know what they were doing from a defensive standpoint. It made no sense when you have ground ball pitchers. Like a lot of their rotation were heavy ground ball type arms, and they're out there putting the worst defensive infield in the history of infields out there. Like you, you could have put me at shortstop, and it would have been an upgrade over Suarez. Like seriously. <laughs> It wouldn't have been hard to do. I mean, so I don't know what was going on there. They're tearing down and trading. So, man, I would love to see Castillo out of Cincinnati. He had a second half ERA of 3.18, even with that horrific defense, which was encouraging to see. I actually like the price a lot. I know you said he was kind of close to Logan Webb for you, which I think is pretty fair. But I think I'd pay the price here for Luis Castillo at – 68 overall and even if he fell further i'd be more than thrilled so if i got him as my sp2 i feel pretty good about it depending on who i have as my sp1 so i'm kind of all over this one and maybe it's wrong because he's been bumpy i've always been a castillo guy and i really like this spot what about you yeah i I almost can like copy and paste what i just said about Webb here with castillo so i won't go long but you know i like castillo just not quite as much as most yeah, both his fast the four seamer and the sinker get hit hard. Like last year, the sinker got lit up 344 batting average against 505 slug. Uh, yeah, he does get you know a lot of that's into the ground, like his ground ball rate last year. In the last three years, he's been above 55 percent, pushing 60 percent ground ball rate. So obviously, that helps, but at the same time, 
he gives up more home runs than you'd expect from somebody with that type of ground ball, right? Like he gave up 19 home runs last year, four on the change, five on the four seamer, seven on the sinker, oddly enough, uh, and then three on the slider as well. The slider is a, a very good pitch for him, 41.4% whiff rate. Obviously, the changeup is very good as well, but this the, the two fastballs just get hit harder than I would I would like. Even uh, even though the actually the average exit velocity on a four seamer, um, I should say the contact they get you know, more contact than I would like on them. So I don't know. I, I people just like Castillo more than I do. Like he's just another one of those guys where I see him year after year, and he had that one you know that breakout year uh, a few years ago, and then he's kind of been like. Yeah, he's still pretty solid, but I don't like him as a as a high end two, which is which is where he's going. If I can get him as my three, I would love it, but I won't get him as my three. Uh, like I said, people just like Castillo more than I do, so I think that he's just gonna get. Especially if he goes into a good landing spot, get ready to see that ADP jump a good 15, 20 spots. Like it'll go from wait, where was it now, like 60, 60 68. Yeah, yeah, that'll that'll go around fifty. Like if he lands in. Uh, where's a where's like a realistically good landing spot for him? Um, I personally would love to see him in Atlanta. I don't see it happening, but Atlanta would be a great spot. Yeah, even Atlanta. Yeah, we'll we'll go with Atlanta. That'll jump fifteen. He'll jump into like the low fifties ADP. I almost yeah. guarantee it. So especially if that happens, which it probably will. He'll probably go into a spot where people are like, "Ooh, this is intriguing. Let's see what happens here." Then they'll push him up another round. He'll just be too high for me. Yeah, St. Louis is another intriguing destination. They've got a great oh, defensive that, infield. That would be really intriguing. Yeah, and I'm looking at his expected home runs by park. 24 in Cincinnati, just 12 in St. Louis, uh, 16 in Atlanta. So definitely hurt by pitching in Great American Small Park from a home run standpoint. So yeah, you're right, though. If he does move, then I think he's going to see his value boosted a lot. So It'll be interesting. I don't know if they do, if he's one of the players they end up moving or not, but it'll be fun to watch for sure with Luis Castillo. How is it, how is it expected home runs in Colorado only eight? Ah, yeah, it doesn't factor in things. It just factors in like basically batted ball distance, I'm pretty sure. And, oh, and is, like, it, is, that, is it strictly distance? Is that what it was? It's, yeah, this accounts oh. for different wall heights and distances, but does not attempt to adjust environmental effects. Okay, yeah, is it so, more than eight in Colorado? <laughs> Yeah, that's kind of funny, but yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely, yeah. We'll see where he ends up, but Atlanta would be intriguing. So would St. Louis. Yeah, those are two semi-realistic spots as well. You know, maybe he ends up in Boston. Boston, he's pitching. That could be fun. So who knows? yeah, we'll see. See, yeah, yeah. I would, I wouldn't be opposed to that. Obviously, it would, it would cost a couple, a few of our top prospects, but I, I, and Heim Bloom, we trust. <laughs> All right. Well, that wraps up our section on looking at players with wide range of ADPs, at least min-max picks type things, looking through ADP 75 in this episode. We're going to wrap this up with a fun little exercise. We're going to look at our favorite and least favorite ADPs, and we're going to do it by first looking at guys going in the top 50, then looking at players going from 51 to 100, and then we're going to give you a favorite player post 100 ADP. So let's start with the players going inside the top 50 Give me your favorite and least favorite player in that range. So I hate to do this, but I'll start with my least favorite in this range. Chris Sale. I hate to say it, my Red Sox, the ace of my Red Sox. I love Chris Sale. I think he's one of the most talented pitchers of all time. I think he, I don't know if he still has the best strikeout the walk rate of all time, but he did at one point fairly recently. So 
um, shows how talented he is. I don't need to tell you all that, but I think there's just too much risk taking him where he's going right now, which is at 39.7 as the the 12th starter off the board. I think he could, obviously he could absolutely be a top 10 arm this year, but yeah, he's missed so much time and he, he looked pretty solid. You know, velocity was mostly back when he came back into last year, but that's just a lot of risk in the top 40 for me. You know, his range is 26 to 48. If it was more closer to like 48, 50, maybe a good 10, 15 spots later. But I don't know. I, I'm not looking at Chris Dale as my ace this year. So uh, I I don't want that much risk with my first starter. So I won't be getting much of him. But uh, one that I do love, uh, he's going off the board uh, a few spots. Yeah, about two spots later, uh, three pitchers later, Sandy Alcantara. I, I, Alcantara, I love Sandy Alcantara. Uh, he the K rate ticked up last year. The whiff rates ticked up. Uh, he made that kind of arsenal change mid- middle of the year. Uh, we started, he started throwing his change up, uh, went up in whiff rate. The slider went up in whiff rate as well. The sinker is absolutely filthy. He is going off the board as the SP 15. Sign me up. I, th- I think I have him eighth in my rankings. So sign me up all day there. I am a believer in the K rate jump. Uh, he doesn't have like that one pitch with a huge whiff rate, but he has four pitches with a 23.3% whiff rate or higher five pitches. He mixed in overall mixes them very, very well. Um, yes, he has four pitches with a 20 plus percent usage rate. So that he throws to both sides of the plate. Love that. Everyone that's listened to this podcast knows I love that. So he just checks off all the boxes I want as an ACE. And if he's going, you know, where he's going right now is the SP 15. When I have him at my SP eight for next year, sign me up all day. I agree. I like that. Um, I'm a fan of Alcantara and I think you're probably higher on him than me, but I'm a fan of that spot. So, you know, my favorite uh, Manny Machado who is going off the board an average pick of 27.7. One reason that I like this is because of the depth of third base, which is just, insanely shallow and this is a spot similar to where Machado was going last year all he did was have another solid season hit 28 home runs stole 12 bags hit near 280 and produced 92 runs and 106 RBI Machado just continually gets it done he stays on the field consistently you know crazy enough last year was the fewest games he had played in a season at 153 since 2014 just go down the list 162, 157, 156, 162, 156, 60 in the 2020 season. He played every game in 153 last year. He's durable. He stays on the field. He gets the job done with consistent production. You're going to get power. You're going to get a little bit of speed, and you're going to get a decent batting average. Machado here seems like a great spot, and you know I think around 25 is a good place to take him. He's going a little bit after that. So, yeah, I'm all over Machado the guy that I'm out on is a guy that is going inside the top 25, and it's Cedric Mullins. If you followed me, you probably know this at this point, that I'm not going to pay for that career year. He went 30-30. He's an elite company. Phenomenal year. I don't really believe that he's going to repeat it, and that's fine. I think he's still going to provide decent power. I think he's still going to provide speed, but I do think the batting average kind of falls off a little bit, and I'm not expecting this kind of production again. I'm not paying for the career year here with Cedric Mullins. Let's move forward. Real quickly to picks 51 to 100, 
Favorite and least favorite going in this range, Eric? Well, I'm going to go two hitters here. Um, but before I do, one that you know I'm going to mention here because he's in this range as well. Cody Bellinger's going 88.5. Nope, no thanks. Min pick of 46. Uh, I almost threw up. That's almost as bad as uh, the 18 for, for Mondesi. At least Mondesi could get you that. I don't think Bellinger's going to be a top 50 player next year. But, oh, look at his 2019 season. Oh, yeah, that was a distant memory. So, yeah, Bellinger's not a top 100 guy. So if you want to waste a top 100 pick, go ha- go right at it because I'm not going to do so. Uh, but my favorite in this range is actually Eloy Jimenez. There's a lot of interesting guys in this range in general. And I think uh, Eloy fell a good amount because uh, he kind of struggled. He came back and he was really hot for a little bit. And then he got cold in a hurry. ADP right now is at 63.1. There's really the outfielders. One right above him is Nick Castellanos. And the outfielder right below him is Byron Buxton. Yeah, good luck with that. Uh, So, yeah, at 63, that'll be, you know, fourth, fifth round or so. I'm all over that, really. I think he can be a very, very good. I think he can be close to Jordan this year. Like I think they're similar. I think Jordan's a little better, obviously, but I think they're not far off in terms of overall value potential. I think he could Eloy could be a, a 270-ish hitter, 35 home runs, a lot of good counting stats in that Chicago White Sox lineup, a good you know good park as well. So I, I'm buying that one that I'm not buying. Uh, who's the outfielder, two outfielders above him at ADP 56.7. That's George Springer. It, it's weird that he's still that high with the way that managers are getting more risk adverse and more emphasis on speed because those are two areas he just doesn't check off anymore. Like he's risky, hasn't played more than 140 games since 2016, hasn't played 140 games since 2018, only played 78 this year. And there, it wasn't like it was like, okay, he broke his arm or something like that. It was like, you know, I can't remember the exact injuries, but it was like, you know, hamstring, calf, you know, like all these injuries have, have a way of like popping up again. And he's 32 now. We're going to be, oh yeah, he is 32 now, just turned 32 a couple months ago. So He's not in his mid-20s anymore. Uh, these are probably just going to keep getting worse and doesn't really run anymore. He's only good for a handful of steals a year now. You know, a decent but not great average. So you really need him to be like 2019 Springer where he was, you know, 39-96 in order to, you know, return a positive ROI here. And I just don't think that that's a very risky and slim chance. So, yeah, I'm completely avoiding Springer at that ADP. Yeah, I definitely agree. The spot that I love here is Brandon Lau going at 87.5. He had a phenomenal year and is going later than he was last year. And I'm not really sure why. Maybe it's the fear of Tampa Bay platooning the left-handed bat. The splits were dramatic, but they got better throughout the year. And at one point on this podcast, I called him a great sell high in Dynasty. And what did he do? He continued to rake. He had 39 home runs. He stole seven bags, nearly 100 run and RBI. He had the batting average only 247, but that improved significantly throughout the year. And at second base, all this stuff going for him, I'm shocked that he's going at 87. That that seems like a great value for him. I love that. The guy that I'm not loving, who we already talked about, Bobby Witt Jr., going at 74.8. That value draft price is going to go up. 
not going to pay it for a prospect. We've seen it too often, and it does not pan out. So I'm struggling with the value there. I think he can be great, but also I'm worried about the price getting too high and him not providing return on value. So that being said, let's hit our final ones here. Favorite player going post 100. For me, well, first off, before I say my player, I got to do an honorable mention or a shout out here. Nelson Cruz is ADP is pushing 200. I I haven't heard anything about him retiring. I think he's coming back for another year, whether that's in Tampa or elsewhere, who knows? He's a free agent, but he what outside of fear of retirement, what is making him go that late? Yeah, he only hit, you know, he hit 226 with Tampa. Okay. But still had 13 home runs in 55 games. Overall, 32 home runs, 265. The dude is just a hitting machine. Maybe we see we're starting to see him slow down a little bit, but uh, if he can just replicate 2021 again, which is very reasonable, that's a huge value. But my guy, Willie Adames, you know, shortstop as I mentioned earlier, insanely deep. It's deeper than ever. Adames is the 19th shortstop off the board. 19th with ADP of one what was it 132.8 i'm you know i'm gonna gobble that up all freaking day like jake cronenworth is going ahead of him yeah he's at multi-position eligibility i see that but i like adames more like everyone was wanting him to get out of the trop and look at you know the home road splits and then last year gets out of the trop and what does he do he hits very close to what his home road splits were it's just I'm buying like this is a potential, you know, 270, 275 or so hitter. I think he could be a 30 home run guy, you know, right around 100, uh, 90 to 100 RBI and run. Yeah, he doesn't run that much, but a really good four category guy. So if you don't want to, if you want to wait on shortstop and, you know, target other positions while everyone else is going after all those top shortstops, Adamus is a great target, but don't wait too much. Like Mags, uh, I tweeted about this. Our good buddy Mags, who came on a couple weeks ago, mentioned like, yeah, but if you miss out on him, then it falls off quick, which is 100% true. Then it gets pretty dicey, or at least dicier, uh, after the the Adames range. So don't wait too far. But outside of pick 100, I love Willie Adames. Yeah, I certainly agree there. Uh, This guy that I'm taking, Michael Conforto, he's going to pick 192. I'm not the biggest Conforto fan, but... At this draft spot, just feels really, really good. He's dealt with injuries that I think have highly affected his performance. And a reminder that he hit 322 in the short 2020 season. Yeah, that's not realistic to do again. His Babbitt was crazy high. Hit 33 home runs in 2019. The power's there. I think he can chip in a few steals, and he's not going to hit 232 again like he did this year. I fully expect that batting average to come back up a little bit. He did like the full opposite. He had a 412 BABIP in the short in 2020 season. He had a 276 BABIP this season. So that certainly had an effect. And I think he's going to he's going to be a different team. I don't see him sticking in New York. Though he could resign, he could take uh he declined the qualifying offer, which was probably expected. Who knows where he ends up, but still he's going as the 51st outfielder off the board. Look at other players going in his range. Andrew Benintendi, Austin Hayes, Avisel Garcia, this is a no-brainer to take Michael Conforto here, in my opinion. I wonder how high the stock rises. Maybe he gets closer to 150. I still like that price point. There's outfielders going ahead of him, and I'd certainly take him over, like Hunter Renfro, Akil Badu, Miles Straw. 
All those guys are going well ahead of them. I really like this value for Michael Conforto. Who knows? It could change a lot. And again, seven drafts we're looking at. But at the end of the day, it's fun to get early observations on this. Eric, any closing thoughts before we close out the show? I tried hard not to mention this guy, but I have to. Jared Kellnick's going 133.8, people. Like I said, draft him there. Watch him be a top 50 player. Profit. But no, yeah, th- this was a lot of fun. It's it's always fun digging into early ADPs. And like you mentioned, obviously this is going to change a ton over the winter but uh, and into the spring. But it's really fun to look at where a certain guy, especially like the, the, the really intriguing names like Bellinger and, and Yelich and, and guys like that. That You were wondering, all right, where do these guys fall? And seeing them like Yelich, for example, one-on-one, if anybody's wondering. Dalton Varsho is 100 on the nose. That's pretty interesting too. So, yeah, it's really fun to dig into these and, start noticing if anything like i haven't done an actual draft yet i'm kind of holding out until december but just noticing some of these trends can be huge and make a difference so don't ignore the early edp look at it study it and try to find those trends where the the pockets of certain positions are going where where there might be a potential run of certain spots and it's kind of like just make some mental notes so that's what kind of what i'm doing right now yep i definitely agree i think there's plenty to be taken here to be takeaway, I guess, and it's good to see the early ADP. It's interesting to see where these guys are going. Values will change. That's kind of to be expected, but it's a fun exercise early on. Hop in some early drafts. Have a good time because there's good values to be had. As you can see, they will change, but all right, that's going to wrap us up. Thanks, everyone, for listening this week. We hope you enjoyed the episode. Just a reminder, again, you can follow us on Twitter. Eric is at EricCross04. I am at Roto Clegg and the show is at Fantrax Toolshed. Be sure to check out all of our written work on Fantrax HQ or over at our Patreon. And join us next week for more Dynasty and Prospect Talk. But until then, everyone take care.